Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. We all want a happy relationship. Of course we do. And yet, so much of the rhetoric out there, so much of the common discourse about relationships suggests that relationships are really hard. So we want this thing. We want it. We believe that we'll be happier if we have a relationship, if we have that marriage, if we meet our person. And yet then everyone tells us that they're really hard work and they're really difficult. It's kind of interesting. I have, for one, submitted that relationships shouldn't be all that hard. In episode 27 of the podcast, Dan and I talked about our thoughts on this and why there's this notion, this conception out there that relationships are hard work. It's such drudgery, the ball and chain. And I always think that people, sadly, they settled or they rushed things and they wanted to get married at a certain age, so they made it work with the person they were with. And then Dan was saying that he thinks oftentimes people start out in love, but they lose their way. They start letting other priorities creep into their lives and they don't put their relationship first and tend to it and nurture it and cultivate it. And I think really when people talk about relationships being work, I think that's what they're saying. They're saying that you need to tend to them. You need to cultivate them. You need to nurture them. And I'm good with those terms. I just don't like the work term, although actually work, the psych research shows us that work gives us meaning and purpose and raises our self-esteem and we feel valuable that we are part of something bigger than ourselves. So work in and of itself gets a, it, it gets a bad rap. But work is actually very helpful for us psychologically. Setting that aside, though, yeah, in general, the term work is a bit pejorative. And I don't like to use pejorative terms when I'm talking about my relationship. And I want for you, for those of you who are single right now, my hope, my desire for you is that you would find a relationship that wasn't a lot of work. Because the women in my community, you've got your stuff together, You are thriving already. You are accomplished. You are driven. You are taking charge of life. And in doing so, should you decide to partner up with someone, that person should be contributing to all the great things that you are doing already. This person should be, as my girls and I used to say, part of the solution, not part of the problem. Because when we're single, we are finding our own solutions. We are solving our own problems. We are creating the life we want. And partnership should enhance all those things. It shouldn't be dragging us down in any way. So, okay, I'm taking issue with the term work. And I'm submitting, yeah, I'm standing by my assertion that relationships shouldn't be all that hard. In fact, they should be easy. Yeah. I said it. I think relationships should be easy. Yes, you'll have conflict. Yes, you'll have challenges. Yes, you'll have frustrations because life is long and hard. But the relationship itself, 
the rapport. The affinity you have for one another should be natural, it should be organic, and it should be easy. So like I said, one of the gifts that we have when we spend a decent amount of time in our adulthood single, and you guys know that's my story, I lived it, been there, felt that, as I always say, one of the gifts that we give ourselves is the opportunity to take time to figure out how to have a relationship that is, in fact, easy. And I know it sounds like a pipe dream, and I don't want to minimize for anyone who's in a relationship and it's really difficult and it's grueling. My heart goes out to you, and there is healing, and there is support. That's why marital therapists are out there doing their good work, and couples counselors are there for you. So I don't want to minimize anyone's experience. I'm really speaking now to those of us who are, like I said, spending that time single. And one of the opportunities therein is the chance to figure out how we can step into something that feels pretty darn easy. So how can we do this? And one of the things we talk about a lot and the research shows that is imperative for a happy, easy relationship is for us to be aligned in terms of our core values. And it's something I talk a lot about because some of the questions I get that I answer on Instagram in my Love Smarter, Not Harder IGTVs and the questions that I tackle here on the podcast, so often they have to do with problems in a relationship that are essentially core value differences. We think we'll be happy if we get the person who excites us, who's super hot, super sexy. And yeah, I'm all about all of that. You've heard me talk about a very useful construct for understanding what elements are critical when we are looking for our person and hoping for that total package. It's my favorite construct for love by Dr. Robert Sternberg. And he talks about the three components in his triangular theory of love, the three components we need, one being intimacy, friendship, two being commitment, and three being the romantic, passionate part of love. So yeah, we got to have that. Otherwise, we would just marry a friend, right? We're not trying to be partnering through life with a buddy. We want the friendship. We need the friendship. That's part of the triangular theory. And we also want and desire and should have the passion, the sparks, the chemistry for sure. That being said, if we don't have the values, if we aren't aligned on the ways of doing life, the philosophy for living, what matters, what's meaningful in life, the values that point us in one direction as opposed to the other, if we're not aligned in those core values, the commitment is going to be very, very difficult. And frankly, the friendship element we're speaking to and Sternberg speaks to in his model, that element will also begin to deteriorate because it's really hard to be best friends with someone when your core values aren't aligned. So I get a lot of questions about values because I talk about it a lot and the research shows that values are important, that couples who are in agreement Regarding these core values, they are happier, their marriages are more successful and even easier. So the question remains though, what exactly is a core value? So 
let's start by defining what a core value is. According to psychologists Barb Markway and Celia Ampel, they describe values as, quote, the principles that give our lives meaning and allow us to persevere through adversity. Psychologist Malika Markovic considers values to be fundamental beliefs that build our identity. So we're talking about beliefs that are at the foundation of our identity, who we are, and give our lives meaning and purpose and help us persevere through challenging times and help us make decisions when we're at a crossroads. We lean into our values to inform us as to which direction we should take. These are huge. They are huge elements of our lives and of our very existence. And because they're such a part of us, we often assume that others possess the same values that we do. But that's not always the case. Or they may claim to adhere to a value, but they don't in quite the same way that you do. So for example, honesty. If you ask someone on the street, most people will say, yes, I value honesty. But what does that look like in their day-to-day living? Some people are very strict with honesty. Others are perfectly comfortable with a couple white lies here and there. And then that varies. Some people are okay with a white lie like, I love your haircut, when they hate it. (laughs) Other people are comfortable with a white lie like, yeah, my kid is sick, so I can't come into work today. That's a white-ish lie or a flat-out lie. So you can have several people who might say, oh yeah, one of my core values is honesty. And they actually mean quite different things. One is not going to tell someone that they like their haircut when they don't. They'll just talk about something else that day. Someone else might be fine about the haircut, but they wouldn't go so far as to lie about their child being sick. Someone else might say, I'm not really lying about the haircut. I'm just trying to make her feel good. Or, you know, work owes me some days anyway. You know, they might not see either of those statements as lies. And this person might say, yeah, honesty is a core value. Honesty for the important things. But little stuff, sure, a white lie here and there. They wouldn't even see that as being dishonest in their mind. So even when people would state that they had the same core values, there can be a lot of variability surrounding what that actually means. Initially in a relationship, you may not notice that, or it might not bother you because there are so many other attractive qualities about this person. But when we're considering a life partner, forever partner, these distinctions in core values become critical. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal, whether you are honest, as in I tell white lies whenever I feel like it to get out of things or to just make a situation more comfortable, less awkward, or so that I can do what I want to do versus I'm honest, really honest. I'm not going to full on say something mean. (laughs) You know, I can't say I like your haircut, so I'm going to say how much I hate it. That's unnecessary. But I'm also not going to call in and claim that my kid is sick when my kid isn't sick. And here's the other frustrating part about ascertaining core values. Because as I said earlier, someone might say, oh yeah, honesty is 
absolutely one of my core values. And then you come to find out as you are observing this person's behavior in the relationship and with other people, you realize, yeah, your core value of honesty looks quite different than my core value of honesty, which is why we cannot rush the process of getting to know someone. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the Love and Life family. So oftentimes people want to know, okay, what are the 10 questions I should make sure I weave into the first couple dates so that I can figure out if this person's a fit? I mean, ask all the questions you want, but if someone says, yeah, I have a core value of honesty, you're like, cool, me too, check, we're in alignment. You may not be. That's why we have to take our time when dating. We can't rush things. People love the notion of a whirlwind romance. It's a beautiful (laughs) concept in a movie. In real life, it's typically not a solid plan. Because I can ask all kinds of questions in the first couple of dates and I'll get all kinds of answers. And again, I'm not even saying someone's going to be trying to lie to me. But if I hear from him that he has a core value that aligns with mine, then I go, okay, cool. And then I continue to observe and watch. How does that core value play out in real life? In the real world situations that you witness and observe as you're dating. So we lay back, we watch who this person is demonstrating himself to be, and we also are very involved in clarifying our own core values. Because how will I know if white lies bother me unless I've already established that I'm not okay with them? So we can be doing this core value clarification with ourselves Apart from a dating relationship, we can be doing that all the time. We can always be about that. And I talk about this a lot, that our single season can serve us. Though it's lonely at times, though we're frustrated at times, it can be such a gift of an opportunity to clarify our values such that when we meet someone We have a better sense of whether that person is a good fit for us, whether that person does align with us and how we do life and our philosophy for living and what matters to us in life, our core values. So when our person shows up, we can identify that that is in fact our person. That core value work that we do when we're single can help us answer that question that I also get a lot, which is, how will I know when I've met the one. Quick sidebar, I actually have an entire episode devoted to that exact topic. It's number 89, and Dan and I talk about how we realized that we were each other's person. So if that interests you, check that out. So let's do a little core value work right now. And if you're single, this is going to help you be better prepared to recognize someone who will be a good fit for you. And if you're already in a relationship, identifying your core values can help you have greater clarity as to whether this is a relationship that can go the distance or not. So let's consider some other core values. 
And I'm going to refer to an article in Psychology Today by Cheeky Davis, PhD. In the article, she provides a bunch of core values and suggests that we read through them and then figure out the ones that are most important to us. So let's take a look. And if you're not driving or doing something else, you might want to write them down and then circle the ones that you believe are most meaningful and relevant and key for your life. Here goes. Authenticity. Adventure. Balance. Bravery. Compassion. Challenge. Citizenship. Community. Creativity. Curiosity. Determination, fairness, freedom, friendships, fun, generosity, growth, honesty, integrity, justice, kindness, knowledge, leadership, learning, love, loyalty, openness, optimism, recognition, Respect, responsibility, security, self-respect, social connection, spirituality, stability, status, wealth, and wisdom. Davis suggests that we circle our most important three or five values. And then for each of these, she says, quote, write down three or more actions that define what it would mean for you to live these values. I love that because that really gets to the nuts and bolts of it. Instead of just this vague notion of loyalty, well, what does it mean? What does that look like in the real world? Davis says, quote, for example, if you value loyalty, actions might include Forgiving a friend for a betrayal. Negotiating fair treatment at work to ensure your commitment to your employer. Or choosing not to engage in an extramarital affair. So I love this exercise and I'll provide a link in the show notes for anyone who wants to check out the article. But that's the kind of thing we can do now to prepare ourselves for that relationship in the future. Read articles like this and recognize that It's much more nuanced than just saying, here are my five core values. No, what does that mean? What does that value actually mean in terms of how you're going to live your life? If you're into personal development, if you geek out on psych research, and if you're looking to level up in all realms of love and life, a love and life support group is for you. In Love and Life groups, you'll enjoy the camaraderie of connecting with like-minded women. You'll feel encouraged and empowered by others endeavoring to thrive in all realms of love and life. We all know there's strength in numbers. So join us for deep conversations designed to provide healing and promote growth. Head over to my website for more details. So another question I often get is, Well, yeah, we want to have similar core values, but which core values are the most important for couples in order to have satisfying, fulfilling, and happy connections? So here I'll refer to an article called 11 Core Relationship Values Every Couple Must Have by Milika Markovich, and she's a psychology coach with a master's degree. 
She's writing for marriage.com. So let's go over these 11 and I'll share some thoughts along the way. She starts with one that won't surprise you. She says couples must have a core value of communication. And you hear this a lot, right? Especially when we're talking about relationships. Communication is everything. You got to communicate. And I'm actually, yes, a fan of communication, of course. But to me, it's how we communicate. We have to understand our partner. We have to understand how to approach our partner in a way he can receive the information we're trying to share. And I think sometimes we make the mistake of, I got to get it out. But if you get it out in a way that the person you're trying to talk to no longer has ears to hear, it's not effective communication because the person we're trying to communicate with shut down. And here again, we can look to our own values, how we value communication, the way that we prefer to be spoken to as a way to inform how we would like to speak to other people. I try to be pretty gentle with my requests. You know, I was single all those years, so I don't take Dan for granted. I don't want to take him for granted in terms of the things he does to support me, carrying in groceries even. And I certainly don't want to take his emotional support for granted either. So I try to approach him the way that I like to be approached, which is with respect and appreciation. So yes, communication is imperative, but also the manner in which we communicate must be taken into consideration. The second value on the list of 11 core relationship values every couple must have is commitment. And the author says, quote, research indicates that both levels of commitment and perceived mutuality of commitment account for relationship prosperity. So early on in a relationship, we obviously don't have full commitment, but as the relationship progresses, we communicate to our partner our ability to commit. And this is something that we really can't say, we can't express, we just have to demonstrate. And it's something that they may see by watching us be committed to our friends and our family. It's something that they will pick up, as we talked about earlier. It's so much more about observing each other, watching each other, and learning who this person is through their actions, as opposed to trying to ascertain this information via questions. And it makes sense to me that it's more than just about the commitment level itself. It's do I perceive that my partner is equally committed to me, that there's a mutuality there. That's so key to know that your level of commitment is being honored and appreciated and cherished and matched. Related to commitment is core value number three, trust. The author looks at a study from Psych Research that considers trust to be predictability, dependability, and faith. And that's something that we all want in a relationship. We want to know that when our partner is away from us, we can trust that they are keeping us in mind. They're not doing anything that's going to damage the relationship or hurt us. Even when we're not together, trust is so imperative, obviously. I like the idea that we don't behave when we're away from our partner in any way that we wouldn't if they were right there. I've heard it put this way, that when you are in a committed relationship, part of your job is to give your partner absolutely no reason to ever worry or have anxiety, 
or concern that you are doing anything or behaving in any way that would be anything but completely trustworthy. That's part of your job. And that goes back to values, doesn't it? Because someone might say, well, if my spouse isn't around and I'm flirting with someone at a bar when I'm away on a business trip, what's it matter, right? It's not a big deal. I'm not going to go home with this woman. I'm not going to sleep with her. Who cares? Well, it's just dishonoring to the relationship. And some couples, they behave that way. They don't mind kind of getting each other jealous or maybe that's part of their dynamics, right? So yeah, it absolutely goes back to core values and how you conduct yourself as an individual and as an individual who is in partnership. Core value number four, conflict management. The author cites research that's not that surprising that conflict management is significantly associated with partner attraction to one another and relationship satisfaction. We could do an entire episode on each of these core values and certainly an entire episode on conflict management. And I did talk with Dr. Philip Lee from Cornell University about his book, Argument Addiction, Even When You Win, You Lose. That's episode 80. So if anyone's wanting to do a deeper dive into this core value and get some strategies surrounding that, go ahead and check that out. For me, I try to remember that Dan and I are always on the same team. That analogy just sticks with me when we have conflict, when we have differences of opinion or ideas of what we should do or whatever the case may be. I remember that we are a team. Always, always, always. And for my single ladies out there, because I was single for so long, I don't take for granted that I have that partner, that we have each other's back. And I want to underscore that for those of you who are single now, one of the strengths you will bring to your future partnership is that you will not take him or her for granted. Number five core value is respect, which I love. I think we can love some people without respecting them, maybe children. (laughs) I don't think we can love our partner without having admiration and respect. And it was very important for me to be with someone who I could respect their character, their integrity. And I appreciate that Dan respects me and my skills and my gifts and what I'm about. I don't, I really, that's so core. (laughs) It's really hard to imagine a relationship, a love, a true, deep, profound love that didn't have respect for one another. Core value number six forgiveness. According to research, quote, the tendency to forgive is related to healing and restoring relationships. Couples who share a higher tendency for absolution express more nonverbal cues, hugging and kissing, and explicit verbal forgiveness. If you're with someone for long enough, you're going to hurt each other's feelings. You're going to say and do things that rub them the wrong way, that bug them. Forgiveness is critical. It's key. And how you forgive, the studies talked about whether it's a more affectionate expression of forgiveness or a verbal expression or both. Personally, I like to express both ways. I like to say I'm sorry. I don't like to say I'm sorry. That's actually not very fun at all. But I, when I realize that it's my turn to say I'm sorry 
And to make amends, I like to do so with verbal communication and also a hug and a pat and a my bad, which isn't easy. We all hate to have to say I'm sorry. It's uncomfortable. We get defensive. So that again, that goes to core values. If you're someone who says, I want to be the person who does the thing that's hard, which is admit when I'm wrong. It's You hate admitting when you're wrong. It's annoying. You're like, dang it. Yes, I screwed up. And if it's part of your value system to say, and when I do screw up, I want to be genuine. I want to make those amends. That's a core value that you bring to the relationship. And as we're pointing out here, we need to have reciprocity there. You have to be with someone else who's willing to also say, I'm sorry. Core value number seven, authenticity. There's a growing body of work in psych research on authenticity, which I delved into at one point after I called off my wedding and authenticity felt like a big deal for me because it had allowed me to step away from a life that would have been disingenuous. I wasn't trying to live a lie, but it would have been a lie. So I think I'll devote some future episodes to the psych research on authenticity, but in terms of relationships, why it's a core value is that no one wants to be with the person with whom they're supposed to be the most real and intimate and genuine and feel that they have to put up a front. And some people are comfortable with authenticity, others aren't. Many people fear revealing their true self because they fear that they'll be rejected, even in partnership. So yeah, I'm with the author when she stresses that one of the 11 core relationship values every couple must have is authenticity. Number eight, empathy. Empathy is huge for me and maybe because of my training when I was a psychotherapist, the ability to be able to at least try to put yourself in someone else's shoes, it's so important for getting along in many realms of life, but certainly in our romantic relationships. We have to know that our partner is trying to see it from our side, from our vantage point. For one, because that's our person. That's the person that when something good happens, we are so excited to tell that person. And when something bad happens, we also, they're the first person we want to tell. And we want that comfort from them. And empathy is also crucial for diffusing arguments. Because if I can see my partner's perspective and get it from his side of things, it's a lot easier for me to not dig in my heels and be so rigid on my side of the debate. Number nine is kind of similar. Emotional support. To me, if you don't have emotional support with your partner, then why are you together? So here again, I think it's more about how you want to receive, how you tend to give emotional support. So the five love languages, of course, come to mind. How do we express love? How do we prefer to receive it? Very similar to emotional support. When I need some support, do I want time? Do I want an act of service? Do I want a little gift as a pick-me-up? Do I need some affection? That sort of thing. We understand that part of being in a relationship is providing emotional support. 
but to have the value of the added bonus of we like to give and receive emotional support in a similar way, that's money in the bank, as marital therapists say. That similarity will make things so much easier. But if you don't have that similarity, reading a book like The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman is a great idea as well. Number 10, finances. When you talk about values, there are definitely value issues at work. When we consider what we do with money, are you a spender? Are you a saver? And it's critical for relationships that we at least have an understanding of the rationale behind our choices with money because research shows that very often the number one reason people divorce is because of conflicts over money. So frankly, it's just a lot easier if you both agree about the role of money in your life. Is money supposed to provide security? Is money supposed to provide entertainment for the here and now? Because, hey, life is short and we aren't promised tomorrow. And people can make compromises. But what's helpful is if we truly understand our relationship with money and if we are spending a lot because we're making up for a childhood where we were in poverty and now we want to display that we have money because it makes us feel better about ourselves because we were feeling some shame about our poverty-stricken upbringing, all those dynamics, the more introspective we can be about the role of money in our life as an individual, the better prepared we will be to be in partnership with someone else and try to understand the role that money plays in their life, and then how we can together come to some shared values about money as a couple. Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram, where I post original quotes, infographics, and I tackle trending topics in my Love Smarter, Not Harder IGTVs. On Insta, you can find me at Dr. Karen. D-R-K-A-R-I-N. I'm also on Facebook at Dr. Karen Anderson April and on Twitter at Dr. Karen Anderson. The final core relationship value every couple must have, religion. This is one that many people in the dating relationship space will say, oh, it's fine if you're this religion and they're that religion. And many couples make it work. But as I spoke to earlier, similarities provide that common ground. The more similar we are, especially with deep, intense concerns, philosophies, belief systems, the easier it is for us to partner together. It's just fewer things to fight about. So sure, if you say you're Christian and that pretty much means that you put up a tree at Christmas, you maybe could be fine with an atheist because Christianity is really just about celebrating Christmas and it's a fun holiday and you give gifts. But if Christianity is part of your daily experience, your relationship with God, and it provides you with, as Mark Way and Ample said, provides you with the ability to persevere through adversity, it's not a solid plan to think that you'll be able to connect with someone who 
would think your prayer was meaningless or that your faith was foolish. It really ties into some of the other values that we've been talking about, like respect. If Dan thought that when I prayed, it was meaningless and foolish and kind of ridiculous, he wouldn't respect me as much. And then I'd be frustrated because I deeply believe in prayer and I have a deep connection to God. And if he thought that that was frivolous or even looked down on me for that, that's not a recipe for a happy marriage. So again, I defer to the research here, which we've been discussing throughout the episode and the studies that show that People doing life together are so much happier and more fulfilled and more successful in their marriage when they agree on those core values. And religion is super core. If your religion is part of your daily experience and it gives you meaning and purpose and it provides joy in life and provides sustenance and support when you go through challenges, I want everyone in my community to have an epic relationship And an epic relationship necessitates aligning on core values. So if religion is important to you, then you got to be with someone for whom religion is also important. So I think we covered values 101. But as I went through all of these, I kept thinking how I wanted to devote an entire episode to each of them. So I think there's a lot of room for exploring these values in more depth in future episodes. Let me know which ones you'd like me to cover and devote more attention to in future episodes. The love and life hack for this week is clarify your values. The work we do when we're single to figure out the values that really matter to us, that work will absolutely pay off, resulting in a deeper more genuine, authentic, and intimate connection with our future partner. Thank you for giving me a portion of your day. If you're looking for additional support, be sure to sign up for one of my love and life support groups. We're rolling out a new one Monday, April 26th. Space is limited, but we do have a couple spots left. So head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com if that interests you. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril.